What's going on everybody? How are we doing? John out here with you. It is Tuesday, June 14th, 2022. So I always use this just as a notes progression and everything else for covering the series and I figured why not? Let's just go through this whole capsule. Let's do the Stanley Cup Finals, and then I'll give you again, as we've gone about throughout this section here, between analysis, stats, predictions, and the schedule throughout the entire playoff series and as far as what I'm covering. So let's go through it right now. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. You're going to hear this ad nauseum, and I'll just get this one out of the way. It's the first time in the Stanley Cup Finals that two teams are meeting that don't have S at the end of their lettering between the Lightning and the Avalanche. It's head... Head coach John Cooper on the other side for the Tampa Bay Lightning and Jared Bednar for the Colorado Avalanche. So let's give you a, a brief retrospective and how they got there. So for the Lightning, they defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs in seven games. It was a 5-0 loss, a 5-3 win, a 5-2 loss, a 7-3 win, a 4-3 loss, 4-3 win in overtime. The way that it ended up going, it was 23 goals for, for the Lightning, 24 goals against. The only time in the 11 meetings between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Lightning combined where there was back-to-back -back wins by one team was games 10 and 11, which turned out to be games 6 and 7 in the first round of the playoffs where the Lightning could dispatch the Leafs. The Florida Panthers, it was a completely different story for the President's Trophy winners. It was a complete sweep. 4-1-2-1-5-1 and 2-0. The Tampa Bay Lightning absolutely dominated in that aspect, and they outscored the Panthers 13-3. And in the previous series, just before we're going into the uh, Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, the Lightning defeated the Rangers in 6. They lost the first two games, 5-2 and 3-2, and then they won four straight, 3-2. 4-1, 3-1, and 2-1, outscoring the Rangers 16-13 in that series. So what does that mean for the Lightning? As far as their playoff record, you need 16 to be able to hoist that cup. They are 12-5. And, and their further specifics, they're 2-0 when facing elimination and 3-0 when closing out series. So that means between the Game 7 against the Maple Leafs, the Game 4 sweep against the Panthers, and in the Game 6 victory, the 3-0, perfect, closing out in the series. And when they faced elimination, twice against the Maple Leafs. They stood up and won Game 6 and Game 7. So deeper dive in here for Tampa Bay. Their goals for range. 3.6 goals for, 2.41 goals against. Their power play percentage is pretty good. It's at 22.6 and their penalty kill has been pretty solid. 82.5 for the Lightning. Their shots per range. So this is not just shots on goal but shots attempted usually too. This would include 32.5 for the Lightning as opposed to 31.9 given up. And in the faceoff circle, they're at 46.7%. So this is the Lightning stats in a nutshell in 17 games. And just like this, we'll go through it again for Colorado. So in 17 games for the Lightning, Nikita Kucherov, we'll start with the offense. He's led the offense. Seven goals, 16 assists, 23 points, and a plus four. On the power play, he's got five goals, and he's got 10 power play points. Andre Palat, he's been very, very good here for the Lightning. Eight goals, eight assists, 16 points, and a plus nine. The captain, Steven Stamkos, again, he had a really strong regular season where he had over 100 points. It's been a resurgence here for Steven, and health will do that here for you. 
nine goals, six assists, 15 points, and a plus four. Corey Perry, five, three, and eight. Ross Colton, same thing, five goals, three assists, eight points. Nick Paul, very good pickup there from the Ottawa Senators there, coming over from the trade deadline. Three goals, four assists, seven points, plus three. Brandon Hagel, he's gotten stronger as the playoffs have gone, although his point totals do not reflect that. He played very, very well against the Rangers. Two goals, three assists, five points. Anthony Sorelli, here's the big one here for me. Because, you know, Braden Point, he's been out for most of the playoffs right now. So that puts Anthony Sorelli on that top line. One goal, four assists, five points. He's been buzzing around the net. He's been getting a lot of shots. And Anthony Sorelli is one of those guys that can play a top-line defensive forward. That's why he's out there right now for John Cooper. I have a feeling that Sorelli is feeling a little bit snake-bit. And I think those numbers might get a little bit better here for Sorelli. And who knows, on the avenues of Braden Point, if he's going to be able to trim by the time the cup finals will start tomorrow. So Pat Maroon, three goals, one assist, plus four. Alex Kalorn, four assists for four points. Pierre-Edward Belmar on that back line, two goals, one assist, three points, and a plus two. He's a good shutdown forward there, acquired from the Vegas Golden Knights. And Riley Nash has played in just four games. He's got no points. And I threw Braden Point in the back end of it just because whether or not he can come back. Remember, he got that long contract and the big one there from the Tampa Bay Lightning for the work that he did against the Dallas Stars and everything else like that. Two goals, two assists, four points, and a minus six. The big question is whether or not Braden Point can play. I'm not so really concerned about that minus for Braden Point. And the fact that when he's going to come in there and provide some production, if he can go, that would be huge for the Tampa Bay Lightning. On the other side, let's talk about defense. Victor Hedman. So this is going to be a really good analysis of what's going to go on between these two teams as far as their defensive side. We're going to break that down a little bit more. But let's go over Hedman's stats first. Two goals, 12 assists, 14 points, a plus three. Hedman's got eight power play points. He's got six dimes, got two goals. Mikhail Sergachev. So we thought he scored two goals in game five. He didn't get credit for the final goal in that last minute, but he did get an assist for it. One goal, six assists, seven points, plus six for Mikhail Sergachev. You really noticed toward the back end of it, especially in that Rangers series, his point totals have definitely shot up, and he's someone to keep an eye on. Even for Sergachev in the sense of, you look, you feel like he's been there forever between all those cup runs, about six years. The guy's still 23, 24 years of age. So it feels like he's been there forever, but he's still been growing the whole time. Jan Ruda, he's got three assists for three points and a plus four. Cal Foote, two assists, plus one. Zach Bogosian, two assists. Eric Chernak, one goal, one point, plus one. So for the back end of the Tampa Bay Lightning, when we're going to talk about in comparison to the Avalanche, you say, John, those point totals don't really stand out to me. Well, in terms of Tampa Bay, those back four, when you're not counting Victor Hedman or Mikhail Sergachev, or even if you want to throw Ryan McDonough in that situation, which I, I should have, um, you can throw him in that situation and say, look, it's not going to be all about scoring goals for the other side of it. It's figuring out who's going to be able to stop everything on defense. That back end of it, especially throwing McDonough in that situation, that's all about stopping it more than trying to get anything going. Victor Hedman, he leads at that as far as being the stop end of it, but he can also provide you a lot of power play points and do a little bit more, where the rest of it for John Cooper's squad is all about defense and nothing else on the back end. So for goaltending, Andre Vasilevsky, the big cat, has played all of the last minutes in the last two playoff runs. He's trying to go for three straight. That would be 16 consecutive 
playoff series victories here. So Vasilevsky's played all the minutes once again in year three. He's just another four wins away. He's 12-5 and five with a 227 goals against and 928 save percentage. That accounts for 39 goals against on 502 shots. He's got one shutout, the 1-2-0 victory over the Florida Panthers. And this is where I put in question marks here. Some of these are bolded notes, and again, I'll have all this stuff posted at hopelesssportsguy.wordpress.com. Some of these are bolded, some of these are not. Andre Vasilevsky, I put MVP in quotation marks, because you have to think about it within the last couple of years. Not even, again, even though we're just talking about this run in specifics, but over the last couple of years, Andre Vasilevsky has not missed a minute. And you can go between the very same confides, whether you think this is blasphemy or not. I'm just going to point this out to you. Whether you want to talk about what's going on with Billy Smith in the 80s, with the New York Islanders in the cup runs, Patrick Waugh in that same regard. Look, I know some of the numbers aren't as high as far as wins. Maybe some of the save percentage is a little bit slanted, but you're still talking about a goalie that's in the 930 percentile. And when you get elimination, everything else in the face of it, this guy just goes Terminator mode. So what was the difference? So in the first round between Andre Vasilevsky, again, I want to bring this up, he was sub-900 against the Maple Leafs. When you got in that closeout game in Game 7, that was his first really, really good game in the series. Was it one of those situations where Tampa Bay had that book on Andre Vasilevsky and they were able to figure that out? Or is it all because you have you know, Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and John Tavares and all those other guys in there where you're just able to just put offense on offense on offense? And that could have been one of those situations. But when you look at it in the other perspective, in the second round, the Florida Panthers won the President's Trophy, right? They were supposed to have all the offense. They acquired Claude Giroux. They had Alexander Barkov. They had Mackenzie Weger. They have some of these other guys that you would go in there, especially on defense and offense with uh, Anthony Duclair and Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt. Uh, all those guys that were brought in there for Florida were supposed to be able to score. And even the guys in the third and fourth line were getting production of guys in the first and second line. Goals for days. They led the league in NHL. Well, Vasilevsky just said, screw all that. I'm going to get a 980 save percentage against the Florida Panthers, become the Terminator, and pretty much stop you and put an end to anything the Florida Panthers were trying to do. So for the New York Rangers, let's get a closer look at this. He was 4-2, and two, a 2-3-3 goals against, a 9-19 save percentage. He gave up 14 goals, and he made 173 saves, Andre Vasilevsky. So still really, really good numbers. Again, not that 980 save percentage, but also he wasn't sub-900. He was sitting about 920, which is very, very rock solid. So Con Smythe Trophy winner, MVP on each side. I'll do this again before we go to Colorado. So it's pretty easy here for if Tampa wins it. That's if you win the, con, if you win the series, probably somebody's going to win the Con Smythe. We're one of the winning teams. You're not going to have a situation where one of the losing teams or one of the teams that isn't in it is going to get it. But let's throw it out anyway. Nikita Kucherov, again, between all those point totals we talked about, uh, 7, 16, and 23. 7 goals, 6 assists, 23 points in 17 games. Nikita Kucherov with a plus 4. On the other side, he's got a good chance to be able to do a lot of that stuff in the Stanley Cup Final. I want to throw Andre Palat in there as well, because as I said, between the 8 and 8 and 16 points and plus 9, he's been absolutely noticeable on the ice, and he's been very, very good. Again, if he doesn't reach those same plateau, plateau point totals that Kucherov has, he wouldn't be able to get it, but you got to throw him in that conversation. He's been absolutely incredible. 
Victor Hedman on defense or Mikhail Sergachev? You take your pick. I've really noticed, again, Mikhail Sergachev, the way that he's surged throughout there getting more points, his plus-minus is excellent. He's becoming a very staple in that top-line defense there with Victor Hedman. I wouldn't be surprised at some point even next year he'd be on that first line with Victor Hedman. So I want to throw both of them out there just to be able to give a, a nod to Mikhail Sergachev where it's not all just Victor Hedman all the time. And for goaltending, and this is one that's in bold, it very well could be Andre Vasilevsky. If you're going against the Colorado Avalanche, you're going to have to be able to stop them from scoring goals. And there is there is no instance between offense, defense, and goaltending. We'll break down that matchup. Who's got you know the better advantage on there? There is no instance where anyone, even outside of the NHL fandom, wouldn't say Tampa Bay doesn't have the edge. And Andre Vasilevsky could absolutely be that piece that shuts down the Colorado Avalanche. So let's do the same recap on the other side here in the Western Conference. Colorado Avalanche. What was their recap and what was their story going into the Stanley Cup Final? Well, they defeated the Nashville Predators in a sweep. 7-2, 2-1 in overtime, 7-3, and a 5-3 win. They outscored the Predators 21-9. They defeated the St. Louis Blues in six. It was the only team that has any kind of loss markers against the Avalanche. It was a 3-2 overtime win, a 4-1 loss, a 5-2 win, a 6-3 win, a 5-4 overtime loss, and a 3-2 win. They outscored the St. Louis Blues 22-18 in that series. And they defeated the Edmonton Oilers, the latest one in a sweep, 8-6, 4-0, 4-2, 6-5. They outscored the Edmonton Oilers 22-13. to So what does that make Colorado's playoff record? Again, you need 16 wins to be able to hoist that cup. They're 12-2. and And in some of their specifics, as we talked about between the Tampa Bay Lightning, Colorado has not faced elimination in these playoffs, and they're going to be playing Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals tomorrow. And they're 3-1 and closing out a series, meaning when they have a chance to win it and finish off a team, they're 3-1. and They lost Game 5 at Ball Arena in Denver, Colorado. Remember, they had a 3-0 lead. They lost 5-4 in overtime when there was a giant surge there from the Blues to be able to finish that off, but they came back in Enterprise in Game 6 and finished it off. So... Could that series have been a little different? And no, I'm not blaming Nazem Kadri, blaming one of the St. Louis players for having him run into Jordan Bennington, which caused the unfortunate injury, unlike all the other crazy fans out there, because that was the case. If Jordan Bennington hadn't gotten hurt, maybe you can make that uh, comparison that the St. Louis Blues, even though it took them six games for the Colorado Avalanche to get, to get them dispatched. St. Louis Blues were giving... The Colorado Avalanche, some issues. It was the only team to be able to give them issues, but if Bennington was in net, this could have been a different story. So goals per range, they score 4.64 goals. They give up 2.86. Their power play, Colorado Avalanche, has been exceptional throughout the entire postseason on the power play, about 31.1%. Penalty kill is at 757 so that needs to be a lot better, especially against Tampa Bay. And again, if you're always going in that sub-75 range, that's, that's not good enough. You want to be able to get in the 80s, so that can definitely use some improvement. Shots for range, this is where it gets very interesting. So Colorado, they average 40.7 shot attempts per. That is a lot more on the other side when we broke it down here for the Lightning. That was 32.5. And Colorado is at 40.7. 
So they get a lot of shots on net, and they're not afraid to wheel and deal that offense. And the other good thing for Colorado in terms of, okay, yes, they're giving up some goals, but the shots against, remember, Tampa Bay, as we talked about, was 31.9. Shots against for Colorado is 28.2. So I always said this in a, a specific stat. In between Darcy Kemper or Pavel Francois, whoever's going to be starting here for the Colorado Avalanche, again, we'll break down that goaltending more in a minute, but it was one of those ones where I always said, if you can keep that shots four on goal for Kemper or Francois between 25 and 28, Colorado is probably going to win the game because their goaltending doesn't, isn't on the same level as Andre Vasilevsky. There's no doubt about it. I mean, their goaltending is probably one of the weakest tandems that they have. But because of the offense and defense being so good for the Colorado Avalanche, that kind of sets everything apart where their goaltender isn't facing as many high-danger chances. And that's why that's very important. The face-off percentage is a little bit higher here for Colorado Avalanche, sitting at 48.9. So these stats, there's a couple sweeps in there. Maybe they won't be as slanted. Maybe they will be as slanted because of the sweeps and some of the teams they've played. But I want to throw that out there. So this is 14 games of stats. For the Colorado Avalanche, because again, two sweeps in a game six series victory against the St. Louis Blues. So let's start with the offense. Nathan McKinnon, 11 goals, 7 assists, 18 points, and a staggering plus 12. Miko Rantanen, 5 goals, 12 assists, 17 points. He's got 6 power play point assists, so he is the bread man here for the Colorado Avalanche, and he can do a really good job at that. Gabriel Landeskog, the captain, exceptional as usual. He's been coming off of injury here from the start of the postseason, but he hasn't skipped a beat. Eight goals, nine assists, 17 points, and a plus 14. Nazem Kadri, he's still really high on those totals because of all the damage that he did early. Is he going to play? After some of the injury there with Evander Kane, well, it was a little bit of a cheap shot, and it warranted more of a one-game suspension, but the best thing that the Colorado Avalanche did was just sweep them anyway, so that kind of just figured out, who cares about that one-game suspension? You're going to be sitting the rest of this, the season at home. So, six goals, eight assists, 14 points, and a plus seven. Will he play? That's the big question mark, and again, we'll talk about some of the scheduling here going forward. Our Trey Lekkinen, what a wonderful pickup he's been from the Montreal Canadiens. Six goals, five assists, 11 points, and a plus seven. Valerie Nachuskin, he's been excellent since coming over from the Dallas Stars. Five goals, four assists, nine points, and a plus five. JT Comfer, he's really starting to pick up of late. Five goals, two assists, seven points. Andre Burakovsky, it's been a little slow and maybe uh, shaky at times for the former Washington Capitals forward. This is ten games of work for Burakovsky. Goal, four assists, and five points, but he's been a little suspect in the defensive end, if I would say that. Andrew Cogliano, now we're getting toward the back end of these forwards, between the bottom six, where it's more defense and speed and things like that, attention to detail. Not that all these other guys don't do it, but you can't expect to have your entire team of your 12 forwards that are active be able to score goals like crazy, even though Colorado has been doing that. Andrew Cogliano, two goals, one assist, three points, plus two. Logan O'Connor, one, two, and three, plus two. Darren Helm, same thing. One goal, two assists, three points, plus four. Alex Newhook, he's been good on the ice. He hasn't gotten a goal yet, though. Two assists for two points. Nico Sturm, he was one of those depth forwards there. Hasn't gotten a ton of time, although he's played he's played all the games. 
one assist, one point, Nicolas Obey-Cubell. He doesn't have any points, which surprises me because he's been around the net, just like we talk about Anthony Sorelli on the other end, even though he's got more for Tampa Bay Lightning. Obey-Cubell does not. But he's been good since coming over from the Flyers, despite not having any points. He's a plus two. He's always around the net. He's getting some chances. He plays some really good defense. So this is the question for me. Is there a better defender in the league than Kel McCarr of the Colorado Avalanche? And I, I don't want to say this lightly, but I have to throw this out there. So when we just watched, and I just covered a lot of those games in there between 4, 5, and 6, and 1 of the round between the Lightning and the Rangers, when you're talking about Kel McCarr and you talk about Adam Fox on the other side, look, Adam Fox might have a little bit more defensive intangibles. That's what happens when you're a little bit of an older older player, but he's still a young guy. Kel McCarr is still like 22 years old here, 21 years old here. He's got five goals, 17 assists, and 22 points. That's your defenseman. He's a team leader in points, and MVP in bold in question mark. I don't think there's any question about it. If the Colorado Avalanche win this series and they hoist the Stanley Cup, you could see the con Smythe in the hands of Kel McCarr. So if you want to go in the Wayback Machine, or maybe not too far, I never got a chance to watch Bobby Orr. Again, I'm 35 years of age. I'm old, probably a lot older than most of the people here on ColorCast. But I haven't got a chance to be able to watch Bobby Orr. But I did get a chance to watch Nick Lidstrom a lot for the, the Detroit Red Wings. And I always considered him probably, I thought he was the best defenseman I've ever seen because I never saw Bobby Orr. But Kel McCarr is like if you took Bobby Orr and you took the defense, defense of Nicholas Lidstrom and you combine them together and have a baby, that's Kel McCarr. And I don't want to say this lightly because, again, because this guy is so young, the fact that he's already doing this stuff, the fact that he can skate like the wind just like any other forward and still give you good defense and being at plus 11 and give you 22 points, 5 goals, 17 assists, that is outrageous. So he's only going to get better, especially on the defensive end. Maybe where you give Adam Fox, maybe, a slight edge in terms of some intangibles. Kel McCarr has to do so much more offensively, and he can do so much more offensively rather than any other defenseman in the league. He's got that burden on him, and he passes with flying colors. Devin Tays, let, let, don't get this twisted. Five goals, eight assists, 13 points. Again, this is on defense, plus nine. Bowen Byram, he's got seven assists for seven points. He's even younger than Kel McCarr. Again, he's still growing into his own. Plus 12 and 7 assists for the second line defenseman in Bowen Byram. He has been a revelation. Josh Manson, excellent since coming over from the Anaheim Ducks. Two goals, four assists, six points. He is even in the plus minus. That makes me scratch my head a little bit considering everyone else is outlandish as far as plus minus. But I'll let that one slide for the moment. Eric Johnson, a goal, four assists, five points, plus 11. Jack Johnson, he doesn't have any points. The uh, former Michigan Wolverine, he's getting very long in the tooth at this point. He's only playing right now because Samuel Girard is out. He's got no points and a minus one. That really doesn't matter on the other side because, again, he wouldn't, even have, he wouldn't be playing right now if Samuel Girard wasn't available and wasn't injured throughout the entire playoffs. So... When I talk about this, let me go through this quickly again. Five for McCarr, five for Taze, two for Manson, and one for Johnson. That puts you at 13 points, 13 goals, excuse me, on defense alone for the Colorado Avalanche. 
Is there not any other team in the league that would jump out and want to have that kind of production? Let me take it another step further here for Kale McCarr before we get into goaltending aspect here for the Colorado Avalanche. Let me put it to you like this. And this is a way that you can tell that I'm not joking or you can tell me I'm full of shit. So, Kale McCarr, if I said to every other GM in the league, I'm including every team here, that you give me your best player on your team, I will give you Kale McCarr. How many NHL teams would decline that offer? And I can only maybe think of three or four. So Colorado is out because they already have Nathan McKinnon. And let's say they're not going to give up Nathan McKinnon to get Kale McCarr when they already have both. Connor McDavid for the Edmonton Oilers, probably considered the best player in the entire world. Maybe they wouldn't do it. Even though they have dry settle and they badly need defensive help, maybe they wouldn't do it. But two teams that I don't think would do it, and one of them is playing in the Stanley Cup Final. But let's go to the one before that. For the New York Rangers, considering you have Adam Fox and Jacob Truba and Keandre Miller, you have some really good defense in the back end of it anyway. Would you trade Igor Sesterkin? Let's say he's the best player on the Rangers. Would you trade Igor Sesterkin, your top goaltender, to get Kel McCarr when you already have all that defensive help? You probably would not. And here's the one I would say for Tampa Bay. As much as they would love to have Kel McCarr, would they trade Andre Vasilevsky for Kel McCarr? No, Brian Elliott hasn't played a single game in this series. Like I said, he hasn't played at all throughout the entire cup run, and Tampa's trying to go for a back-to-back-to-back. If they traded Vasilevsky for McCarr, that would absolutely cripple their franchise. So they couldn't do it. So I'm throwing maybe just four teams that wouldn't do it. Everyone else, he'd be the best player on their team, bar none. Goaltending breakdown here for the Colorado Avalanche. So this is interesting. This is going to start with Darcy Kemper. He's missed some time in the first round. He's missed all of the third round. Got some head injuries and things like that. He was 6-2, and 265 goals against, an 897 save percentage, 24 goals against, and 234 saves. For Pavel Francois, he played the entire Oilers series in a sweep, but he's 6-0 and in the playoffs. 287 goals against, a 906 save percentage, 15 goals against, and 160 saves. He's got one shutout in that 4 nothing victory against the Edmonton Oilers. So here's what's interesting. Between that breakdown of Pavel Francois, he was 4-0 against the Oilers, 281 goals against, and a 908 save percentage. He gave up 10 goals on 99 saves. So, when you're talking about Darcy Kemper, and you're talking about Pavel Francois, I just gave you the numbers there. The woman fuzzy, 897 for Darcy Kemper, 906 for Pavel Francois. When Andre Vasilevsky is getting closer to the 930 range, again, it was sub-900 against the Maple Leafs, it was a 980 against the Panthers, and it was in the 930 range of the Rangers. A little bit close to that. So, now you're talking about an 8 97 and a 906 Tampa Bay has got that edge Tampa Tampa Bay also knows that Vasilevsky is going to be playing whether win lose or draw even in a four games four game sweep let's say if Colorado did that unthinkable Vasilevsky's playing all the games on Colorado's side of it 
you can flip flop a coin between Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francois. None of them really jump out at you as far as being a, a 1A and 1B. It's one of those situations, as I told you prior, it's because the offense and defense is so good, whether they win some games in literal shootouts at the OK Corral when it's 8-2 to two or 7-1 to one or 6 to nothing, or they just limit the amount of chances, that's how they get that done. Is Francois or is Kemper going to be able to steal a game in the series? That will go a long way for Colorado Avalanche to determine whether or not they're going to have success in this series. No doubt about it. Are they going to be able to steal one? Will those numbers get better? I think they need to if Colorado wants to be able to do what they're going to do. So that's the question. Is Kemper ready to return? Does it even matter? And can Avalanche cut the disparity in the goaltending matchup? Those are those ones I want to throw out at you. Because when I think about it like this, between the Tampa Bay Lightning, you say, John, they don't score as many goals as the Colorado Avalanche. And look, I get it. But also at the same time, they're able to cut that other stuff down on defense, just like Colorado does, and they also have that back ending uh, between the pipes of Andre Vasilevsky in the sense of where he's just that much better. You're not going to be able to get into 8-6, 5-2. Look, you might have one of those games in the series in the feel-out process for tomorrow, and we'll get more into that in a moment, in terms of maybe something goes wild and goes crazy as far as what you'd expect. But Tampa Bay is going to be able to keep those numbers down, and Colorado is not going to be able to win games like that when it's 6 nothing and 7-1. It's going to be probably closer to a 4-3 or a 3-2 or maybe an odd 3-1 or 4-2. So here's something I want to get into before we get into my actual picks. This is where it gets very interesting if you want to talk about Con Smythe or some of these other totals and things like that. So let me bring this up. And look, I know some of these guys have been eliminated, but I want to bring this point up in the sense that they could still be the playoff leading point getters despite not even having another series under their belt. So for the Edmonton Oilers and Leon Dreisaitl, but we'll start with uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl here. McDavid, 16 games played. He's got 10 goals, 23 assists, 33 points, and a plus 15. Dreisaitl, keep in mind, he had an injured right leg, so he was doing all of this despite being hobbled and pretty much being triple-shifted there by Jay Woodcroft. Look, it was still 7 goals, 25 assists, 32 points, and a plus 4. Mika Zibanejad for the Rangers, 20 games played. Look, I know it's a lot of games, but I'll still throw it out there anyway. 10 goals, 14 assists, 24 points. Now we finally get into between 33 points, 32 points, and 24 points. Someone that's actually playing in this series. Nikita Kucherov, 7 goals, 16 assists, 23 points. Adam Fox going back to the Rangers, 5 goals, 18 assists, 23 points. And now for the Colorado Avalanche. In between 20 games played, to go back to 14 games played. Kel McCarr, 5-17 and 22. And Nathan McKinnon, 11-7 and 18. So, 14 games played, 18 points. 14 games played, 22 points. That is nothing to sneeze at for the Colorado Avalanche. But that really goes and shows you, again, I want to bring this point home between Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and how much the Edmonton Oilers depend on these two. 16 games played apiece, 33 and 32 points respectively, when the next closest is 22. Again, that's another two extra games. But still, that's how good they are. And it could be laughable at the end of it, but it's the truth. If you wanted to give a Con Smythe 
to a losing team and a losing player. You, you could cut that trophy in half and give it to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for the amount of work and things that they've done. But it's officially time. It's officially time to get in all of this. Who wins the series and why? And give reasons for both. So I will admit to you that within the last few days and getting this capsule ready today, it's been a little bit of a coin flip to me. I think this is a series, bar none, that will at least go six games on either side, depending who wins. I hope that it goes seven, but I would expect it to go six. So let me give you reasons to why both teams can win. We'll start here with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's pretty simple here in, this, in the sense of Steven Stamkos, Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, uh, Sergachev, Andre Palat, Brandon Hagel, Sorelli. All those guys continue to get all of their same production. Tampa Bay has been in the situation many times, as we've talked about, between the Toronto Maple Leafs, where they had to play too much, play two elimination games. They got that done. They were down 2 nothing in Game 3 after being down 2 nothing in the series to the New York Rangers. They found a way they won four straight. For all intents and purposes, when the Colorado Avalanche might get in some trouble, there could be some suspect situations where they tense up and they lose a game, just like how it was against the St. Louis Blues. Even though they ended up winning the series, they lost Game 5 at home when they blew a 3 nothing lead. Tampa Bay has been there and done that before. You have all those forwards in defense, and you have Andre Vasilevsky in between the pipes. I've said this to you many times, and I'm going to say it again. I've said it throughout the broadcast, if you hear me doing any of that. When it was, if it is, and if it is going to be, let's say it's 3 nothing advantage in the series for the Colorado Avalanche, I will give the Tampa Bay Lightning their ultimate respect and say they have a chance in the series until they lose four straight games. It's just that simple. The way that Tampa ends up getting it done is they limit those goal-scoring opportunities provided by the wheeling and dealing of the Colorado Avalanche. They love that north-south game. Tampa Bay's got to be able to keep this a little more east-to-west and figure that out on that side. And I think that they can do that, not only just in the goaltending side of it, but when you look at series advantages between offense and defense, whether you want to slightly give the advantage to the Colorado Avalanche on offense and defense, you would definitely give the advantage to Tampa Bay Lightning in a big regard. Look, Tampa Bay on the other side, when you're talking about you know, a Nathan McKinnon or a Gabriel Landeskog or a Miko Rantanen, when you're looking at Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Andre Palat, how far are you really lowering that bar? I, I don't really think you are much at all on that side. So I think it could be a slight advantage. So Tampa Bay would be able to limit those chances. Vasilevsky will have to continue to do pretty well. There might be one of those games where Vasilevsky does get shelled. I said there could be a, there could be an outlier game, especially game one, whether that's going with some of this time off here, that that could happen. But Tampa Bay will limit those chances. They'll get that same kind of def uh, defensive production and defensive production as far as getting shut down and some of the same offensive production that they've been looking for. And that's exactly what they're going to need. And that's what they would have to do if Tampa Bay was going to win this one in six or seven. Am I leaning in a game total as far as if I pick a team and where it's going to be? I think if Tampa wins this one, I'd say I think this is where it would be in six because they would be able to get that shutdown play there from Vasilevsky. The defense would continue to do what it did there with Hedman and Chernak and Foote and Sergachev, and their offense would be just as good. But for Colorado, on the other end of it, it's going to sound like this. 
Make sure you continue, whether it's fair or unfair, I'm going to throw it out there again. Make sure you continue to limit the chances of that's going to go against Darcy Kemper and Pavel Francois. You have to be able to keep that between the 25 to 28 shots on goal range. You have to. You have to limit those opportunities there. Because look, you can say it again, John, uh, Tampa doesn't score as many goals as Colorado does. And I'll, I'll give you that. But at the same time, if you're not limiting those chances, and you've seen it in the New York Rangers game, even when they had some chances to be able to take the lead, what has Tampa done several times against the other team that's immediately scored on them? They've come back within the next 25 seconds, put a goal back in your net. So they can get those steals and they can transition back and forth. You've got to be able to contain Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos on the power play. Hell, if Braden Point returns, that's going to give you a whole other level of ammunition for Tampa to be able to use against Colorado. So you've got to be able to limit those chances. And for Colorado, it's pretty simple in the sense of what they need to do on offense. Don't need to change much between Kel McCarr and uh, Jared Bednar's squad with Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rontanen. You really don't need to change much. But what you need to do, again, this is where Colorado can have that big advantage. For as good as the defensemen are on Tampa's side between Hedman and Sergachev and Foote and Ryan McDonough, there is nobody like Kel McCarr. And I've said this many times throughout this playoff show already, but there is nobody like him. If you allow him to wheel and deal, keep the puck alive in at the blue line, and make some adjustments and make some moves that gives more space, for an Ethan McKinnon or a Miko Rantanen or some of these other players like that, you're in absolute trouble in that sense of it. You've got to be able to shut down that time and space for Kale McCarr to be able to make some moves. And what's so great about him in the sense of you've seen some of those spin-arounds and wheeling and dealing and dervishing and all that, he can sometimes do it on his own. So you've got to be able to shut that down if you're Tampa. On the other side, some of these forwards, I think it comes down to the other end of Andre Vasilevsky. Look. Between Nathan McKinnon and Landis Gong and Rantanen and Burakovsky or any of the names that you want to throw out there, even uh, Valnachuskin or Arturi Lekkanen, anyone out there on that first and second line, it comes down to Colorado has been so good on offense and they've been able to do anything they want to be able to outscore everybody. The one guy that can put in a wrench in all those plans for the Colorado Avalanche is Andrew Vasilevsky. That's the big cat. If you can get that done, he can absolutely put a wrench throughout the entire series of what Colorado is trying to do. Colorado probably needs to think about the same aspect of the Tampa Bay Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and look at it in the seven-game series. They had the book on Vasilevsky, and again, we talked about it between Mitch Marner, or Austin Matthews, or John Tavares, or anyone else that you want to throw out there. Whether or not I believed, and I did believe this at the time, that the Toronto Maple Leafs had the best offense in the entire league going into the playoffs, well, Colorado is maybe just, instead of the 100 percentile, they're in the 98.9 percentile as far as their offense. The only guy on the other side that can put a stop to all that is Andre Vasilevsky. He's going to have to stand on his head as he's done throughout this series. And I think that he can absolutely do that. Again, you put him in that same category of a Billy Smith in the playoffs or the New York Islanders or a Patrick Waugh. Vasilevsky absolutely deserves to be in that same regard. So as I said, if Tampa wins this series, I think they win in six. If Colorado wins this series, I think they win in seven. Colorado 
We'll find a way just to get just enough on Vasilevsky. There might be an odd shootout game here and there where there's a lot of goals, but I think most of this will still be tight between a 3-2 or a 4-3 at most. And Vasilevsky will have some games where he will outplay the Colorado Avalanche tandem net mining of Francois and Kemper. There's no doubt about that. Even just an idiot can tell you that. You're listening to idiot here on ColorCast. But anyone can tell you that. And that could be the situation where I think if Colorado wins in seven, their offense is able to figure out Vasilevsky enough and get it done. This is going to be a stern test on both sides. I do not expect this to be a short series. So again, if Tampa wins, they win in six. If Colorado wins, they win in seven. I absolutely expect, bar none, this to be a six-game series. So what's my coverage plans, and what is the schedule here for the Stanley Cup playoffs? So my coverage plans is simply this. I'm going to broadcast every single game on ColorCast. I will be your play-by-play man. I may or may not be joined by Cooper Hopkins for a couple of games. We're going to try to work together tomorrow on Wednesday to do the June 15th game on that side of it. So, Oh, Cooper's in here right now. So I appreciate that, man. I should have got you on here for this uh, preview. <laughs> but uh, So we're going to work... Tomorrow, probably June 15th, everything is going to be 8.15 puck drop. Game 2 is going to be Saturday, June 18th, so between Wednesday and Saturday, there's going to be several days off, and then we're going to go two days between each prior, between Monday, June 20th, Wednesday, June 22nd, Friday, June 24th, and Sunday, June 26th, and then Tuesday, June 28th. So 5, 6, and 7 is if necessary, but I have the first four games scheduled, and I'm looking to be able to do all of that. So I'm going to have all these games covered. I want to close out this recorder part, but since Cooper Hopkins is in here, I want to just bring him in here just in case, but we'll just make sure that we got everything covered in there. So I kind of broke down all the series. I gave you the stats, the warm and fuzzy numbers, just to be able to make sure everybody's got what they need. Again, I will be on the call as far as tomorrow officially but let me just get your thoughts in here cooper i'm sorry i wasn't checking some of the stuff earlier because i was uh breaking down all these numbers here but um what's your schedule going to look like are we going to be able to do that game tomorrow well we are going to kick things off john and thanks for putting me on the mic here I, I will say this i did this to you once before i i always see i get the notifications from color casts when john Reinot is taking the mic this time, I just wanted to enjoy it as a fan. I got to sit back on the couch and just take in all of your great prep, all the stats that you provided, your insight, talking about Vasilevsky, the difference between the two teams. They made some great observations. I think we have a fantastic series on our hands. And I actually agree with you. Even before you mentioned it, I think it's a six-game series as well. I won't give away my pick because perhaps when we're working tomorrow night together, for game one, before we jump into the your play-by-play and a little color from yours truly, I'll uh, I'll reveal to the listeners who I'm thinking is going to take this thing home. But uh, you did a great job today. I know we have a couple other listeners on as well, so hopefully they enjoyed it. I know uh, folks will be able to get it on Spotify. So yes, my friend, I'm ready to start tomorrow, and I'm hoping I can be along with you, if not for every game in the series, hopefully for the majority of them. And I think uh, we're going to have some really exciting Stanley Cup Finals action coming up starting tomorrow. So here's the thing for me, selfishly, so that's going to be cool that we're going to work game one. 
I'm going to need to try to get you on a closeout game, if at all possible. I know there's schedules and life and everything else in the way, but hopefully you and I, at the very end of it, can call a winner in the Stanley Cup Finals. Does that sound good to you? Maybe get at least two oh, games in? Oh, come on. This Listen, we are, we're talking about the hardest trophy to win in sports, and uh, it, it, was, it would be a joy... And I think we're going to make it happen. I'm ready to uh, take on the whole series with you, pal. And we're going to have some fun. And we're going to call these games between the Avs and the Lightning. Can they go back to back to back? The drama is already at a peak. And we haven't even started yet. This is going to be fantastic. All right, we're going to find all that stuff out tomorrow, man. I appreciate you joining me. I just wanted to get the uh, clarification so everybody knows we're going to work game one, and we're probably going to at least get one of those closeouts as well, if not everything else. Cooper and I are going to figure that out. So we will see you tomorrow about 8.15 puck drop. Have a good one, everybody. We will talk to you soon. I'm going to end the cast. Peace out.